Yo, episode 124 of the Goddamn Fools Podcast is Evan. Eric. Bianca. Uh, how y'all doing, man? It's been a, All right. It's been a rough few weeks. Tired. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I need a nap. It's only noon, but I need a nap. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We uh we got yeah, we got actually got a few special guests today. Uh, Vernal, what up? Welcome. Uh, yo, Bianca's husband is joining us today. And then we got Tyler McArath. What up, That's Doug? That's right. How's it going? How you doing? I'm great. Yeah, we just everything going on, man. We just want as many voices, I guess, as we can to talk about this. Yeah. Everything. It's been and, a long two weeks, man. The the first week, yeah, the first week was rough. It was just taking everything all in and overwhelming and trying to reflect on everything. And then now the second week to me, at least is seeing the outpour of everyone putting out statements and everyone has white people putting out statements, white <laughs> companies <laughs> yep. with yep. white majority white owners and CEOs putting out statements. And it's just, it's bittersweet because it's like, yo, this shit has been going on for fucking ever. And it's <laughs> like, why right now? I don't know. Right. So I'm just trying to figure out all of this. But yeah. How, how's everyone? Everyone is straight? I feel like I'm yeah. repeating myself. Pretty straight. <laughs> Pretty straight. Yeah. I think it, I think if they aren't releasing statements on the level of Ben and Jerry's, they should just keep them. Yo. No, ben no, and nobody go, nobody going harder than Ben and Jerry's. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't give a fuck. I did not see Ain't Ben and What did they say? Uh, they they uh, caught it, it all down. Burn it all down. Basically. Right from my burn it down. <laughs> so in <laughs> in 2018, Ben and Jerry's did. I think so. They were at some point. Yeah, the rest of the not not right now. Before they did. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I know in 2018, I believe they put out a, a flavor of ice cream specific, specifically targeting our our president, uh, and everybody was like super hype about that. But they have been so vocal throughout this entire administration, like, and that's I think seeing their um, overwhelming feelings about a movement like this makes you look at everything and go, if an ice cream company can get it right, you niggas have absolutely no excuse. <laughs> so Ben and Jerry said, uh, <laughs> slavery, Jim Crow, and segregation were systems of legalized and monetized white supremacy for, generation, for which generations of black and brown people paid an immeasurable price. That cost must be acknowledged, and the privilege that accrued to some at the expense of others must be reckoned with and re redressed. Okay. Yeah, burn the shit down. <laughs> <laughs> they went a little bit deep. But they, 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 gave, they, gave, they gave points of demands they wanted. They mentioned yeah. a whole bunch of people that you usually don't hear about that have been uh, the victims of brutality at the hands of majority. And uh, But like you said, they've always been like that. Oh, yeah. They've always been they're a super progressive company, that, the whole thing. That's the thing when you read, like, you go to a website and read the statements instead of going to the actual statement itself. They want to add commentary in between and shit. And... Uh, so they do continue with unless and until white America is willing to collectively collectively acknowledge its privilege, take responsibility for its past and the impact it has on the present and commit, cre commit to creating a future steeped in justice. The list of names that George Floyd has been added to will never end. We have to use this moment to accelerate our nation's long journey towards justice and a more perfect union. 
Sounds think, great to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't think you get a better mm-hmm. statement than that yeah. from, from a company. That's what we You're want not to hear going from to. people. Absolutely right. not. You know, it's not happening. You can get the rest of these generic these generic joints. You can get a few people throwing a few dollars at it, but you're not gonna get that. <laughs> the copy and paste is <laughs> is real. Big facts. Big How facts. are we feeling about the apologies? Can we talk about that? Because I feel like this is like that's a good segue. We've we've seen a lot of apologies this week. Which apologies? Um, apologies who, about um, what? Apologies about the last two weeks? Apologies about the last ten years? Three, apologies about the last. 50 years apology about the last 400 years like <laughs> apologies about the last 24 hours uh right, i'm sorry like, i made a statement 14 hours ago that was racist and stupid who did um well we've seen several people oh, even said, okay let's talk a name and i missed it let's stick with waterbury right how many business owners from waterbury ended up with egg on their face after they put out statements saying all lives matter and pretending like they don't see what happens in Waterbury to people of color and then being like, whoops, I'm so sorry. Literally like 10 hours later. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'll I'll chime in on that. Behind the scenes, I know my partner, he was getting getting a lot of phone calls from different owners, you know, just asking, well, how do I, since I jumped out there and I did that, how do I basically save my business? How do I get people to understand that you know right. I, I don't know and it's something they have to figure out on their own honestly at this point because if you can't see it then you're just you know you don't want to see it absolutely it's where to be is tough man where to be is tough i think that that's my issue with the apologies like i saw especially from black people i saw a bunch of folks jumped to say, it's okay, I appreciate that apology. It was heartfelt. And I was like, but how could it possibly be heartfelt? How could there be actual education behind it? How can you feel that that person has learned a lesson in literally 10 to 12 hours between both statements? That to me does not speak to, I've heard you, I've put an effort into hearing you, and I'm going to come back with a statement that's worth you actually listening to me, that makes you feel like I know what it is that you're talking about. It's just, oh shit, my pockets, let me get this statement out quick. But that's all it's about. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a business decision when your PR team tells you, or your PR person tells you, hey, you know, you fucked up, right? Like, there be niggas in here all the time. Like, we need you to kind of fix this. They're in here quite often. We have like a hip hop night. We might need to fix this before we don't have one no more. We got no more money. They go yeah. around the corner. So right. You know, I also think it has that's to do you, with that's where you get the quick turnaround. Because yeah. normally they're used to having white people have always had support and positions that outweigh the positions that we have. You know, our elite black people in. And now that, that support is starting to fade, it's kind of like, hey, I said what I said, and white people are calling like Tim. That was kind of fucked up. And now it's like <laughs> they're trying to. Like they're all rushing to fix it now. <laughs> like, that's really what it seems like. Like, yeah. like you can't just you can't just mistreat a black person and be like and go home and sleep well. Now you got somebody looking at you like, hey man, like, like what's up? Like you know. I know specifically for here, uh, when when uh, the person made that statement, they saw the backlash like immediately. It was it was a whole bunch of people saying, oh, we're not spending no more money here. He saw right. a bunch of people do it. He said, oh, huh, I, I like money. I don't care where it's coming from. <laughs> Let me put out this statement real quick. Let me thank but, some but, people that told me, hey, you fucked up. Let me this thank them too. To, 
and I, I guess I started with Waterbury because it's our, all of our hometown for the most part. And it speaks to such a bigger issue on a federal level, on a worldwide level. Black people are the number one consumers on the planet. We yep. are culture in everywhere. Designers in Italy, who are they designing for? Us. They don't want us to buy their shit, but they design it based off of what we do. Absolutely. How we curate things. So they want our fashion money. house has a black has a black designer. I'm sorry, one and it's Virgil. And mm, and yeah. what did that stupid mm. nigga say this week? Mm. Shall we? <laughs> he gave he gave us fifty. He gave he threw us fifty. What you mean? He gave, he gave threw, threw you fifty dollars. You know, and, and posted about it. Okay, you do your fifty. Here's your here's your donation. I have secondhand embarrassment from that because I'm poor and I have donated more to Black Lives Matter movements than that. <laughs> that nigga Virgil Wallace, son. Right? He put bread ties on sneakers and charging niggas two thousand dollars. And if you working, if you working, you know. I'm more ashamed of Terry Crews. Terry, Terry Crews is the one that really had me like that, that tap dancing ass nigga. I mean, did we just, did we all see the follow ups today? Did you guys see? I, I know I posted some of them on Facebook. Oh, let's break it out little, today. I haven't seen right much. Now. I haven't seen much. You today. guys are giving me insight. I seen about it, but I was like, yo, I can't even deal with it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, it's it's so <clears throat> unreal. So I'm trying to get to. Oh, I got it. I got his timeline right here. It, it, he says, ago. if you go back to 16 hours ago, he says, defeating white supremacy without white people creates black supremacy. Equality is the truth. Like it or not, we are all in this together. And then oh. doubles down. It actually gets worse. Then he says, any black person who calls me a coon or an Uncle Tom for promoting equality is a black supremacist because they have determined who's black and who is not. So I can call him Uncle Tom. Knock yourself out. Because I've called him all of the things this morning. I, I feel like for him, this whole thing, it black people became really aware of his situation when he left Gabrielle Union hanging. Right. One, yeah, one, on, once, on once he yeah, yeah, once he took, you know the the network side over her and it just was like dude like is this really what it's come down to like you need a job that bad to where you willing to you know put, throw your own under the bus mind you he's done nothing of note at all he's mainly known for white chicks what what else has he been in since then um he's in Let's he's see. in brooklyn 99 right now yeah he's on tv right now so he gets tv money ironically right enough it's a cop show uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, he's, I mean, somebody he's been, responded uh, to one of his statements with a, a gif from white chicks, and it's him where the girls are like all over him, and he's just like this. And they were like, <laughs> "Is this you?" And it's it like, is. "Yo, but is it really? That's you in real life right now." Yeah, his career is based off of what they call shucking and driving, shucking and jiving. Mm -hmm. just, you know, a little bit. Yeah. He started well, off as the as the big scary nigga, like in Training Day. Yeah. Then he was, <laughs> then he was OG Triple OG in Friday After Next. Yep. He does white chicks. He want he want niggas to know he's fun. I know he's married. He's married to a white woman, so I know that's most of everything is about her. She especially just when a is she? She just light skinned. Yeah, she's not white. No, she's, she's not, not white. You're a lie. I, why am I lying? Because she's not white. She's not white. <laughs> oh, I thought she was. My bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. That's an interesting skin tone. Nah, okay. Honestly, she got ready. And this this is the crazy part, man. They're, they had a show on BET, and they were having a hard time because she didn't find him to be, like, man enough. Like, he didn't really stand his ground. And that whole show was based off of 
like, you know, them trying to fix that. So I, I listened to his statements and I have to wonder, I wonder with him, like I wonder with Candace Owens, what makes you hate your own people so much? How did white people corrupt your train of thought to the point where you hate yourself and your people so much? I, I, I mean, he is. Here's the thing. I'm looking at his. He is a former NFL player, and we know what the NFL does. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about that shit later. Play for a minute, yeah. You know, you kind of have to convert over to that brotherhood. That may have something to do with it. I don't know. Um, what what I find another what I find even more ironic is he's born in Flint, Michigan. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, speak about coming, don't they? speak about forgetting where you came from. You know what I mean? Like, I, right? I'm trying to wrap my head around all this. He did. Everybody hates Chris, so I guess that's where he's probably. He was the cheap dad, and everybody hates Chris, so that's probably his most known yeah. show. I guess. I mean, I. You know, again, we're all from Waterbury. There's a, a ton of negative things we could say about the place. But for for those of us who have maybe transversed some of that, I think you have to be able to understand that it made you good or bad, right? Right. And so you look at somebody who's from Flint, Michigan, speaking about being able to be a black supremacist, and you wonder how you grew up in a mostly black community, and, and you never learned that that we don't even have the ability to be black supremacists. Like, what would that even look like? It's the same thing that I ask people when they tell us that black people can be racist. Show me what that looks like. Give me an example. I'm almost certain you can't find one. Some mean words. You know, you might say something bad about somebody that's racist. You might, you might have a sign that say something that white people don't like. That might be racist, but... We're what, 13% of the American population? About 45 right. million people? Um, so you, you know, having a system in place where you can oppress the other 80, well, 70 plus percent of them, it's not gonna happen. It's, it, not it, it's absurd. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm baffled. Bye. I'm baffled. That's all, that's all I got for OG Triple yeah. OG. That's all I got for today. Sorry. <laughs> I'm I'm baffled. It's, it's, so much, it's so funny because there's just to me, I look at things as if there's so much work to be done that there's certain statements and there's certain things that people are going to do that we just have to look at it, understand where they stand at, and just let it be. Right. Yeah. And I think that that's been my week two's. Oh, sorry, our door's loud. That's been our. That's been my week two kind of mode of operation is to just let people say and think what they're going to think and stop trying to educate so much because I've always taken on a role. And for years, I mean, going back to 2014, when all this started with the Black Lives Matter movement, I've always taken on a role of educating, sharing information, trying to teach people about everything from even just the difference of what race, ethnicity and nationality are, because so many people have no fucking clue that all three are different. Um, but watching how so many people have been so argumentative this week and standing their ground when either they're wrong or they don't want to be taught or they think they know. And after a point, you're so fatigued because you're like, man, like I live this every day. Right. The people around me live this every day. If you're not listening to me, if you're not listening to them, why am I talking to you? You're not my target audience. I'm, I'm going to move on from this. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yo, I'm just at a, I'm at a loss for words when well, I because like I I know for instance like Ty like you take on a stance of educating quite often and and with the education educator role as we all know everybody loves to argue with the teacher everybody loves to you know pick at the teacher and but and what and if and then and and yeah. devil's advocate you to fucking death and yeah. you know that stuff in a moment like this it 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 takes and it takes and it takes and it takes. Yeah, no, absolutely. You have to, you know, to me, you have to know your purpose of what you do it for, because a lot of people are going to just have negative things to say, even if it's the absolute correct thing, clear as day in front of you, this is what needs to be done. Your approach may be different. People don't like it. And they're going to always have something bad to say, but you can't never let that stop you from, you know, moving forward as far as educating yeah. others as far as like sharing that knowledge at some point in time you have to you know you have to know when to cut it off and just you know i try to always continue to educate my people um especially locally and and what happens in the city but at some mm -hmm. point in time you have to kind of just lay out a plan and say this is what we're doing if you if you want to get educated here goes the resources but we don't have the time to educate you through every step Right. You know, like like we shouldn't have to spend money and resources educating people on how to go to the uh, voting booth and vote. Like we should right. be spending right. money and resources right. on educating people how to uh, basically buy properties in the city that are um, what, what can I say, like uh, that are being tax auctioned or procurement like mm -hmm. contracts, city contracts. That's what yep. we should source and purchase. Yeah how to do. So it's just, you know, it's all different ways to look at it. The approach yeah. changes. I know my approach ever since for the last two weeks, my approach on everything has changed. I went Absolutely. from probably like Stokely Carmichael, like I was telling you, Ed, to like Farrakhan <laughs> to Martin Luther King to just Tyler. <laughs> oh, don't, don't give him Farrakhan. T.Y., don't give, don't give him Farrakhan. That's not going to work. You literally, you, you hit the nail on the head. I feel like for most black people, it's been like one minute I'm Martin, one minute I'm Malcolm, one minute I'm just, I, I'm tapped out. Like, because <laughs> when you're interacting with so many people, especially on social media, they're all pulling something different from you. And so one minute you're like, I believe in us all. And the other minute you're like, you know, you mother f and you gotta like right. reel it in. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I think that's difficult because we've gone so long without being seen or heard. And, you know, you had, especially like, I think things really came to a head with this whole Blackout Tuesday situation where things got so, <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. things Sorry. got so messy. And my husband and I, like, and, and this is part of the reason why I really wanted him to come on the show today, because there were so many interactions that we had with people that day that were absurd. Like, yeah. I mean, so, you know, we're five hours ahead of the East Coast. Right. So I yeah. woke up blackout Tuesday morning. My whole Instagram feed is already black. I'm on Twitter talking to people because L.A. is still up because it's like one, two in the morning there. But the East Coast, yeah. it's like 4 a.m., yeah. whatever. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck is going on? Like, why do I see a meme telling black people to not post on social media today when we have nine voting primaries happening and the president just uh, released the army uh, 
into DC? Why would you tell black people not to be posting on their social media sites? Then I go to the Black Lives Matter hashtag and it's all, all black. black. Yeah. So I immediately go and I speak to people who I know that I've talked about knowing on this show before, people who started the Black Lives Matter movement, people who started by protesting in Ferguson. I went and talked to those people like, yo, what is this? Is this good? Is this bad? And they're like, no, we didn't plan this. This is not a part of what was supposed to go on today. This has been co-opted. It's dangerous. It prevents people from being who are on the ground from accessing information on Instagram, please tell people to remove the hashtag. So I spend the whole morning, if you have multiple friends with me on Instagram, you saw my comments telling people, take this hashtag down, please. This is why. You can leave the photo up, but take this down. Hours I spent. My husband tells somebody on Instagram to take it down. And you can share how that went for you. Yeah, he went off on me. <laughs> yeah. What's the third, what's the third was, eye open? Third eye open? Nah, it was all three eyes shut. He was like, he was like, oh, if you don't have anything uh, to say to uh, to to progress the movement, don't say anything at all. <laughs> what? Yo. That, that's literally what a black square is—something that's not progressing the movement. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And he ended up. Wow. I ended up, I ended up getting the link. To, uh, what's the the lady's name? Uh, Brittany Cunningham. Yes, I ended up getting the link to that particular video that she posted, and I sent it to him. And uh, he was like, oh, uh, I've been a supporter of Black Lives Matter and we've been doing this for God knows how long. And so when I sent him the link, he was like, oh, my bad, bro. Like, I didn't know what you were trying to say. I said, but you see how you could have easily said to me, I don't like I don't understand. I'm confused. You could have hit me up off, mm -hmm. you know, because these, these this conversation was going on in his comments. So you're seeing his boys like, yeah, you know, whatever. Right. But then he messages me privately. Oh, my bad, bro. The, the apologies are oh, always. 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 They're That's always private. That's a fact. I, I got into it with somebody on Twitter who she told me I was stealing her joy <laughs> by telling her <laughs> to take down the hat. So, like, don't you spit out your water on that floor. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Stole her joy. I mean oh, man. Son, and, and so like, here's me in my head going, there were like 40 different memes at this point, because again, it was a stolen idea. So people just started running with yeah. all these different things they were gonna do. So yeah. here's me going to Facebook, like venting, and I'm like, this is stupid. I'm, I'm, I'm frustrated and trying not to call people stupid. Why did anybody think this is a, was a good idea? It's still like 4 yeah, a.m. on the- People don't think, yo. So by yo, the time everyone, all, every one of us woke up, the damage was already done. It was over. It was it a wrap for social media for the day. It was done. But, bro, I got called a fake positive hoe oh for trying to explain to people what was it like. But I got blocked. <laughs> I got cut out multiple times. Like, what? Multiple times. Multiple times. And the thing is, is y'all know me. I have a thick skin. I could take it. But, like, yo, what is so wrong with saying I don't know what I'm talking about? Yeah, no, nah, nothing's nothing's wrong no. with it. We're I'm still learning as I go. We're all learning as we go. I, I just don't understand at what point in time did it even even the I don't know the real origin behind the Blackout Tuesday, but at what point in time did anyone think it was even okay to create something that would silence people or keep them quiet in this moment? 
even if it was a moment of solidarity and it was in good faith, I don't think, I don't understand the reasoning behind that in this moment. Right. So here's, here's my understanding. What it was yeah. actually supposed to be was the music industry was going to blackout Tuesday and not promote any of their stuff. Makeup industry, fashion industry was supposed to follow. And then white people were supposed to black out their social medias for a week and spend the entire week spreading and uplifting black voices, posting black statements, posting black people at rallies, posting uh, uh, resources, information, anything that they could get their hands on to push the movement forward. Instead, I wake up and find white people telling black people to stop posting on social media in the middle of a worldwide protest. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. why I think with or without the hashtag, I think it was a it was a dumb idea. I I'll just say it. Um I understand it was too specific for social media. Like yeah. that's a very specific I, I understand thing all they had in mind. Taking, way too specific. You know, asking people to take the hashtag down, but there's no real way of knowing if that eliminates it from the hashtag. Well, How long does that exactly. process? Exactly. Oh, not to cut you off, Ed, but exactly. You you just really hit it because honestly, social media is all algorithms. Even yes. if you take away yep. the hashtag yep. and people are still posting it, the algorithm is going to put that in front of everybody over. So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. That's why I said the whole logic behind it was just like, I don't know. It was a disaster. And I'm a disaster. I hate, and me personally, I hate days, designated days as it is, just because of like, like it's performative. Like for, for right, and for the most most recent is like the Mother's Day where you go on and everyone's posting their mothers and posting their kids, and it's all flooded with all of that. So I, I personally, you know me, I'm just like, man, fuck Ev this. Hates joy. I man, fuck this. I'm getting off. Of yeah, he does. Mother I, I, I only use Mother's Day because that's the most recent. Ev hates general happiness. It's not like his thing. People are generally happy. He doesn't like to see it. <laughs> yeah, I don't want that to be like. No, the, but it's like when it's everybody. When it's it's all that's on. Like I like variety and you know all of that shit. When it comes to I guess, like a balance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, and I guess other people could say don't the same. Don't help him, Vernal. This nigga don't like happiness. So I'd rather him just say that. But it listen, all right, truth, I just you don't like people, so you don't like that. <laughs> my point was, Eric, before I was rudely interrupted, <laughs> That's what it gave you, me buddy. the same like, all right, I'm not going on social media today. It gave me that same like feeling and effect, like because I can't filter any of this shit out for the stuff I I want to see. Right. right. So it's just like, right. Eh, all right. So I was on social media less because of it, at least at, right. at least Instagram. Right. But you know what else too though? I find that um when there's confusion like this amongst like the black community, it, it says a lot about us not really having one focal point. You know, in the fifties and the sixties, they had Martin Luther King, they had Malcolm X. We had one person that we trusted to really lead us and direct us. And now that we don't have that, because the last person we put that much stock into was Obama. And then there were some people, some black people that felt that he did a good job and others that felt that, you know, he let us down. And so when you have like conflicting perspectives when it comes to race relations within the black community, they're not outside races. They're, you know, one of our own. It can create, for lack of a better word, chaos. You know, I remember when I was in school, we read about um, Booker T. Washington and uh, W.E.B. Some people say Du Bois, some people said Du Bois. And Booker T. Washington's whole thing was, as long as the black man keeps working, 
eventually white people will respect him and he'll get equal treatment. Mm. And W.E.B. Du Bois was like, that's adorable. Let me tell you something. <laughs> when I show up off the merit of me being a human being and a man in itself, I demand respect. Respectability. So I'm not I'm not I'm not going to work blindly in hopes of you treating me like a human being. Right. And, and we see that even now. You got, you know, some black people that probably took those squares and were like, this is a good thing. This is really going to work out. But there was no focal point. There was no center to go to and be like, how do you feel about this? Right. Does this disrupt anything? Does this cause any issues? And, you know, our concern was that people were getting hurt, killed, kidnapped, and it wasn't being publicized because social media was down. Right. Yeah. And if it was being publicized, it was at the bottom of the hashtag, at the bottom of the filter list and all. It just it wasn't making so it, it was, to our timelines. But it's also safe. Story. Yeah. Like if you look at it, it's a safe way of showing your involvement. Like, hey, I posted the black square. So for all you protesters out there, I'm one of you. But, right. But 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 you're not. And it goes back to when people like to take. Like I'm noticing white people love harping on Martin Luther King, but his uh, approach was the safe. Oh. It, it was the most safe approach, which was yeah. if you hit me, it's it's all right. I'm going to give you the chance to apologize for it. And but, if you hit me again, Jesus wept. But that's their interpretation of it even. Right. It, it, it's just, I think too, like all, all of that is absolutely fact. And people hone in on the fact that you know, again, a person is smart, people are stupid. It is very easy to confuse a group of people. Yeah, right. You play telephone tag, and when you get back to the original idea, it's completely corrupted, right? Right. I got called dumb for saying that there would be people trying to infiltrate this movement, what is going on right now, and purposely cause chaos in it. Oh, absolutely. And and I and and people called me stupid for saying that. And I was like, but y'all forget the election. We watched people do this. They put Russians on the ground here on, on social media and purposely fed us lies and bullshit and then told other people truths and watched us argue amongst ourselves and implode. Yeah. The other day I posted a, a robot from Twitter with a black Avi tweeting about how he's never been oppressed and he can do this and he can do that and oppression doesn't exist and all lives matter. And as I'm like talking about it and have you commented on this picture? Yeah, there was like 18 you know, numbers at the end of the name and I'm like, that's a dead giveaway right. a fake account. Nobody adds that many numbers. So, yeah. Right, and but that's something that's not common knowledge. But people don't want to be told that because it sounds like we're wearing tinfoil hats. And, and, but we've been on Twitter for ten years. We 10 know years, it's yeah. true. And I know you said that, and I, I, I think I replied with just like basically a touche, like, yeah, you're right. But now that I'm thinking about it, emails have been around forever too. It's the same concept. When you add all those numbers to the end of emails, chances are we've had emails since the fucking '90s at this point, late it's '90s, damn. early 2000s. Everyone, so. It's the same shit. You see all them numbers at the end of your email. Same, same as Twitter. So I, I guess I'll give you a little bit of pushback. Is that is like people should fucking know and point out they and always should, question whenever. Always question it when it's, when it's account you don't. When it's an account you don't know. Always question it. You don't fuck. If somebody sends you an email, I mean, I guess people fall for this shit too. You get an email. Oh, you your account has been hacked. Re-enter. Change your password here. It is like no. This is the fucking hacker. <laughs> This is what they How do. How often do you get an email from your job, right? A corporate email that says, hey, All there's the a phishing time. email going around. You know how they know? Mm -hmm. Because some idiot somewhere clicked the fucking link. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and broke the servers. No, nobody <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, uh, Ty, you and I spoke briefly after Blackout Tuesday because what we kind of both discovered was that there were actual blackouts happening across the country. Yeah. DC had a Wi-Fi and power blackout on Tuesday. Um, I talked to some friends in LA. Their Wi-Fi has been going in and out for the past two weeks regularly. I talked to a few people in Jersey. They were experiencing the same thing. Whole chunks of time where people could not communicate. Huh. And we were finding out about it after the yeah. fact. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, it's scary. <laughs> it's scary because it's like, is it a coincidence or is it planned? You know? Right. Um, it's just it's scary. But when you get something like the end, all you have to do is plant the seed. You don't got to do much. Yeah. You plant right, the right. seed in the right place, it's going to go all over the place. You're not going to be able to stop it until it's too damn late. Yeah. It's true. It's, it's starting it's it that early. Did it, it? It did the job. Whether, even if it was for good intention, starting that blackout that early, it, it got the job done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, everybody was asleep. You woke up to that. Mm -hmm. You literally woke up to that. Everyone literally woke up to that, and it's like, what happened last night that we had to black everything out today? I that's immediate. No, no, that's when we went to sleep. It was niggas, nothing. Niggas still don't know. They still don't know. Man, that happened, that happened just, almost a week ago. They still don't know. It was just when I said that, that is immediately what I thought. I said, what happened last night that they have to black everything out today? Right. And we may never know, yeah. to be perfectly was, honest. Not for sure. You'll never counter, know sure. It was counterproductive. It was a way for people to do the bare minimum. Um, like yes. you said, like it's a, it's a safe way, but it's like people that, had people that felt like they couldn't speak about it on social media, people that felt like they couldn't protest People, whatever the fuck they felt like they couldn't do, a black square was what they fucking thought was their contribution to the cause. And it's just like, right. nah, yo, use your, use your words, use your voice, speak up, post something. I don't care. I lost Facebook friends. I don't give a fuck. But like, it's just funny. Listen. Like people, <laughs> people unfriend you, but then I don't know who unfriended me. I just know because I go to my profile and the number went down from when I, what it was the day before speaking up. But Right. I've also had mm -hmm. friends who, you know, care about my well-being message me and say, yo, like, be careful, you know, your job, you may, you know, people may send it to the job. And I'm at this point where I was, talk I was talking to Tyler yesterday. And I'm like, yo, I, I changed my Instagram name. Y'all called it a rebrand and all of that shit. Y'all had jokes, but. Big rebrand. Big rebrand. Yeah. Great. Yeah. The, the main reason was just, you know, trying to hold myself accountable for everything I say from here on out. You know what I mean? And putting my name and not being, not being afraid of what repercussions may come down the line. And then even now with everything going on, I feel like this is the, this is kind of safe, I guess, because like, what are they going to do? What am I going to get fired for speaking up now? That's a, that's a PR nightmare. You know what I mean? Right. So just yeah. th thinking about stuff like in that way is like, all right, I'm, I'm, and then a part of me is like, this is worth, if this is what ends my fucking job, it's worth it to me. Yeah. You gotta stand for something. That's how I feel. Kicking. It just it just seems like everybody's uh everybody's suffering from what I've dubbed the Ned Stark complex. Oh Ned. And I call it that because you know anybody that's watched Game of Thrones saw how he was just he was just as straightforward and direct. He didn't care. This is how it's supposed to be. This is what it should be. I'm gonna speak out against it. Even when it, it seemed like us as the audience is like, bruh, this person is giving away 
how they plan on getting rid of you, how they plan on silencing you. His whole thing was, but this is how it was supposed to be. Yeah. And there's a and there's a fear of taking that stance because there's no going back from it. I mean, we've seen it. It's cost people everything. Everything. Black people their lives yep. for God knows how long. So it's just one of them things where it's like, you know, if 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 you're gonna make a stand, man, you got to be willing to really go all the way in. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what yeah. angers me the most is, you know, people feeling like I did something. I stood in solidarity because I posted my square. Meanwhile, black people are being murdered, losing their jobs, losing their families, losing their livelihoods to be seen as human. And you posted a square and felt good about it. You may have caused harm to a, a, a movement that has existed for six years trying to move black people forward. And you're mad because negative Nancy here told you you might have caused harm instead of did something yeah. good. How dare I? You got I? a lot of nerve telling her the truth. You got a lot well, of nerve telling her the truth. How fucking dare I? Shit. Telling her the truth. She didn't want to hear that. She want to post her black square, say black she lives have matter. Her joy. She wanted to have and her joy. be happy that and go so eat some weird. breakfast. That's all she want. <laughs> Man. I was happy until I saw your blacks. What what she said? I was happy until I saw your comment. It just ruined my day. I stole yeah. your joy. It's self-esteem. <laughs> Esteem <laughs> of your motherfucking self, simple bitch. <laughs> I hate y'all. How can so I affect bad. the way you feel about you, simple bitch? Like, just... I hate y'all so much. It's true. It's true. <laughs> oh man. Oh. But I just I want people to lend themselves to critical thinking more because we are so susceptible to people infiltrating us and causing disarray. I want to normalize asking questions. I want to normalize saying, I don't know. And, and I try to lead by example. I mean, I don't know how many times we talk about stuff on here and I say, I don't have enough information about that. I try to say it on Facebook. I try to say it on Twitter. I try to ask questions because that's what I want people to do when they interact with me. So that's what I do when I interact with other people. I try not to be loud and dumb. I try to pick a struggle. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, and I can understand that it's uh, uh, an emotional time and everybody feels like all these emotions, but I can also understand. And, and this is, you know, I'm going to play ne negative Nancy here again. So Somebody negative. who has been fouled. I am today. I am. It's just, you know, I don't want you to catch it. Um, I think that I have been following these protests very closely since Ferguson happened because that moment changed my life indefinitely. And so when I see people paying attention now, when I watch what is going on, part of me feels like this is great. And part of me feels like how many of you are only speaking up now because it's a pandemic and you've got nothing better to do. Because I've known a lot of you for a very long time. I've seen a lot of you say absolutely nothing as Mike Brown died, as Eric Garner died, as all of these men and women were murdered. I saw you say nothing right. and you mm -hmm. chose this time to say something and maybe you were so moved to, or maybe you just had some free time on your hands because you're stuck in the house. Right. Right. Well, yeah. you, you gotta find I out what's real and what's not once they, once yeah. they start letting put, motherfuckers back at the house. Put, put some action behind it put some action behind it um again talk about my job i'm not gonna say what my job is but they're asking they're asking questions and asking how we feel for the first time i've been there about these things and i'm it's weird because it's like yo I, this is all of this has been in the back of my mind my whole time here so it's just like i've been there 10 years so coming out now asking me 
if I'm okay, it's like I, I, I appreciate it, but at the same time, it's a little slap in the face-ish because yeah. where, where was this before? I get where you're coming from, but there, it's a, if you work at a huge corporation, they can't worry about the one. They got to worry about the many. They not they not sweating you about your mental well being on a Tuesday. They can't worry about it. Now they need the PR. They need y'all to, to be functional at your job on a daily basis. So they're gonna look at you in your black ass face and say, "Are you okay? Are you gonna come in here and revolt, or are you just gonna come in here do your job, be angry to yourself, and go home?" And that's the real question, though. That's yes. really why they're asking. Because that's, yeah, they want to know how angry you are. Right. They don't really care if you're angry or not. They just want to know how how angry. Like, are you like how, angry where you'll be yes. sad for a day? Are you angry that you're going to come in here, throw the fist on TV and say, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Right. Are in, you going to make a bring mess? The cameras in. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's all It's like, as a therapist, right, we ask, like, how, on a scale of one to ten, this is what they're trying to gauge from you. It's like, how likely are you to blow shit up tomorrow if we don't, if we don't engage with you? Are you going to, like, go on the news and tell them we're racist? Are you going to go yeah. on social media and blow this shit up? We're just trying to gauge where you're at with the shit. Yeah. Yeah. They don't really what do you, care. But what it, what the question that that comes up from all that is even if I am, what are you willing to do? Right. Because right. because like like my thing is, I was watching this thing with uh, Godfrey on YouTube, mm-hmm. and he was talking about racism, and he was like, nothing nothing goes away without a fight. He said, if you get sick, do you ask that illness to leave your body, or do you take medication to fight it off? He said, when you're in high school and you're dealing with a bully. Does asking the bully to leave you alone stop him, or do you have to knock him the fuck out in order for him to realize, okay, maybe this guy is not the one I should pick on? <laughs> Everything, you know, it's sad to say, but you can only do but so much from talking. Which is why I'm not condemning the the rioters and quote unquote rioters, whatever you want to call them. The, but I'm not I'm not condemning them because right. because I understand that. Talking and peacefully has got us, I don't want to say nowhere, but it has got us places very, very fucking slow. And you see just everything implemented in the last two weeks compared to fucking peacefully marching the last 10 years. But you know why that is? That's like, that's like if you and I go somewhere, man, and I already knock somebody out outside before we enter the facility. If you walk in ahead of me and you ask for something somebody gives you a hard time, but then I come in behind you and they're like, oh, you with him? Okay, it will give you whatever you need. Yeah, it's the same yeah. thing with the protests. Mm-hmm. And it's like, because the riots mm-hmm. have happened, now people are looking like at the protests, it's like, oh, we better give, what you, y'all want burgers and fries? That's a fact. But That's see, fact. It, you know what's funny is just that we have to kind of understand these moments too and utilize them. You know, right. uh, and I, I I say that to say even on Waterbury on a local level, if we if we don't keep the pressure on, you know, just Waterbury and state level, if we don't keep that pressure on while it's there and their back is against the wall and they have to make decisions and they have to answer our questions, we're gonna be in a worse position than we were when we started this. Yeah, right. you know, um, so I think that is just is very important for everyone to just really let their voice be heard and find cause and uh. So lay out some demands, honestly. Absolutely. That's what I'm people don't, people don't like to hear this, but I mean, the Voting Rights Act of 1968, it didn't happen until after they killed Martin and they burned a good part of America for about two weeks. Yeah. 45 people died. They caused a couple million dollars in damage. 
then you get the Voting Rights Act passed by uh, LBJ. It didn't happen before. Violent people in America have convinced us that we are the most violent people in America. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, the absolutely. truth is, they're the most yeah. violent people on the planet for the absolutely. history of human beings. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They came over and said, oh, well, nobody here we care about. It's us now. You that's yeah. here, get out of here. Yeah, take Beat them out. Take yeah. our take our diseases with you. And uh, we got some free we got some free labor too. We took from somewhere else for four hundred years. But you know, Ty, don't be violent Ty, anymore. Be okay. Right, Ty. I'm curious how you feel about Minneapolis deciding to get rid of their police force and go by the way of public safety. So before because we saw that decision come down. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no go ahead. Finish it and. I was going to say, before we get to theirs, sorry, um, I was going to say all four officers were charged and arrested, arrested and charged. Um, they they upped yep. Chauvin's. It, it feels like it was so long ago, but it didn't happen when we recorded last week. So I just want to start with that before mm. we get to uh, the police reform. So he his charges were up from third degree murder, which whatever the fuck third degree murder is, up to second degree murder. Sorry. And then the others yeah. were charged with aiding, aiding and abetting second aiding degree murder. Yep. So I do yep. want to say that before we uh, yeah. get on that. So go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I pray and I hope that they are convicted and get what they deserve. Um, as far as the PD, it's 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 very interesting. Defunding the police department is a conversation that a lot of people don't want to have. Um, mm. Abolishing the police department is another conversation which is very strong that police don't want to have, but they have different purposes, and I think we could find a common ground between them. So, like what they're doing in Minnesota with that police department, uh, they're, they're starting a conversation, a real life conversation. You think about it, what do we need police for? You know, if someone's in an accident, someone gets shot. Things like that we need police for. Do we need them to interact when somebody breaks a window? Maybe not. I, you know, it, it's hard, and I think different areas, it, it depends on the makeup of that area. But, for example, yeah, in Connecticut, yeah. there's about 15, I want to say 15 to 20 towns that don't have any police. They just have one yeah. or two state troopers state that troops. are just residents. Yep. And, yep. you know, they kind of keep the order within that town. So, on a community level, it's like, could we police ourselves? It's very rough. So right. me, and I know the approach that I have now, even with the demands we have for our city, is really how could we get you to curve the brutality? You know, we understand that you guys are still needed, and we understand it takes a lot to get rid of you guys, and we have to put a lot of work in on the legislative side also. But right now, what do you do right now to ensure us that we're not going to have an incident like what happened there here? So I think it's a good move. I think by them doing that, Bianca, it opened a conversation to all of us. Because even now, we're looking at it like, well, how can we defund Waterbury's police department, which is, what, $43 million this past, this budget they just passed? $43 yeah. million? So yes. you're like, what, what, what can we do? You know what I mean? What can we do? And it only right. goes up. It only goes up. The police budget only goes up. And Always. You know, the amount of training they have, our military weapons with the 1033 program, that, that it's just, yep. it, it's just... Yeah, military surplus. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think with that tank, like the big tank they use for like, uh, we were talking about on the other podcast, with they, uh, when they use with the drug raids and stuff like that, yeah. it was like 400000 You know, yeah. it's a lot. It's like a lot of money for these for these items. And then you look at our city and it's like, 
what are we doing culturally? What are we doing with our buildings? What are we doing with our uh, what are we doing our education? Everything. Our government, yeah. our government's not speaking. It's just so we have an abundance of broken things all across America. But starting that conversation with that PD, um, as far as defunding them and trying abolishing them, it's a great conversation. And it's a I look at I look at pol- the police the way we look at our military. They treat it the same way. From up yeah. top, we spend more defense than the next 16, 15 countries combined. You look at a budget for the city, they fund the police like they fund the military. It's so much more the budget than anything else. It's insane. Yeah. Like you're talking I about mean, it's over 40 million plus here in, just here in Waterbury. That's probably more than education, infrastructure, public works, the whole thing. It's probably more than that together. Probably maybe another add another multiplier to it. No, I can give some numbers oh, to it. Not to, no, cut no. Off, not to cut you off, I just want to mention this while Eric said it. In Waterbury, there's something weird about our education system because our education <laughs> budget is is triple-digit millions. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at <laughs> it right now trying to Why? get... I was trying to find the police one, but I, I assume the police... Millions. So you got to think about it. Waterbury as a whole, I think this budget this year was like 400... and It's 415 plus million mm. for the whole... Last year was 414 million. For the yep. whole entire, you know, so our education budget was about half of that. It was last year, I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was about $212 million just for education. Then, you know, I think it was 41 last year, $41 million for uh, police because they went up $2 million this year. Public, uh, public works is only down in like the 20s, mm-hmm. you know, so when you talk about parks or roads... Yep. All that yep. stuff is down here in the twenties. Police doubling that budget. We have we have work to do from the inside out. So to give some some numbers to this, um, somebody had posted from uh, Columbus, Ohio, the proposed budget for twenty twenty. For police, it was three hundred and fifty nine million dollars. Mm-hmm. For education, six million dollars. For healthcare, twenty six million dollars. Um, it's where the numbers this? are drastic. They they this was uh, Columbus, Ohio. The numbers are drastic, and it speaks to the issue that we have, especially in inner cities, of the school to um, to jail pipeline that that children are in. We're not putting money into education. We're not putting money into healthcare. New York State, uh, their police budget is over six billion dollars, from what I'm hearing. Be. And it might just be the city. Six, six, yeah, that might just be New York City. Six billion dollars, and yep. yet they couldn't find money to give <clears throat> healthcare workers enough masks during Corona. They couldn't find enough money to give enough PPE to their workers. They were pulling workers from out of state to come and work because they were running out of funding for different things. I just. And and this is what defunding the police really means. I think people see defund and they think zero. It's not zero, about zero. Yeah. It's no. about allocating enough funds to fund a police department for your area that serves your area properly and taking the rest of that money and funding other areas that drastically need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, so instead of the cops coming and seeing, talking to somebody homeless, you put a social worker out there instead. You're not sending the right. police to go talk to somebody that just I needs mean, help. I said this on Facebook. I remember the police officer who was in my high school. You know who I don't remember? The social workers, the counselors that were there. I don't even know if they existed. But I knew Officer Tripp was there. (laughs) 
You yeah. know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, knew, I knew where he was stationed at. And <sighs> the reason why I asked about how you felt, Ty, about the um, – the PD in Minneapolis is because somebody had asked me, you know, do you think that this is their way of shutting us up? They're going to remove that police department. And then, and when things fall apart, say, look, see, it blew up in your face. You do need us. And, and I said, you know, I, I don't know. I don't, it's, this is the first time I'm ever seeing this happen. I don't have enough information on it. I wouldn't put it past them to hope it blows mm-hmm. up. I wouldn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't yeah. put anything past anyone. Even, I, I was gonna say, even if you partner a police, officer with a therapist or a psychologist to go if depending on situations you know they have their different departments and they go try to de-escalate they ain't be your your belly poking (laughs) yeah i feel like three weeks ago there was nothing yo (laughs) um even if even if the police officer is there just as a form of folding their arms and making sure you know the the therapist doesn't get hurt in said situation if it's a domestic call for example just to try to de-escalate before it gets even further that way the police officer isn't there to even communicate and try to get what happened i don't know i'm throwing something out there but well this will be be a pretty big experiment for them minneapolis is what 400 almost 430,000 people so this will be a pretty big experiment for them to do to defund and this will be a good this will be a good guinea pig to see okay does this really work can we defund the police force? And then how can we scale it? It's easy to do in a small town where there's only a couple thousand people. Right. You get state troops out there. Everybody in the small town knows each other. They, that's nothing to worry about. When you're talking about these big cities that are population centers, diverse population groups, people that don't interact with each other often, you got certain parts of town that might not really get along, all this shit. You have to see if it's really going to work before you can, you know, roll, before you can see if it get rolled out somewhere else. So I think with, Minneapolis being a uh, a big city, but not huge, you know, their metro's probably uh, looks like about three and a half million people between them and St. Paul, surrounding towns. It's a good experiment to see if they could work on a larger scale. I also think you you need more black police officers in the meantime holding their white yeah. counterparts accountable. I yeah. think that you know if 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 you know you're going, for example, if I grew up on because we're talking about Waterbury, if I grew up on Cook Street or on Pine Street or on Bishop Street, and we get a call. Maybe it's best that I handle it because mm-hmm. you 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 need you need to see you being whoever that white officer may be how to deal with people in these yeah, situations. How to escalate? Yep. Exactly. Yep. You you you, yep. you knocking and and already historically, black people are kind of raised to some fear the police, and you know fear is is on the other side of of anger. So it's just like if I'm over here and I grow up and I'm taught to fear you, then when I see you coming, there's going I'm going to be a little on edge. I might not cooperate with you because in my experience, the way I was taught, you guys don't come to help. Right. So so right. for the for the for the people that live in these neighborhoods that um that are, you know, that are black or that are of a of of a minority of minority descent, it's kind of like none of us like to see cop cars. No. But once we see a brother get out of it, it's like it's I might thing. make it out of this. Right, I, I might make it out of this. Okay, but the moment you get, you know, Officer Steve coming up to your door to ask you what happened, and he already has that attitude, like he knows, yeah. he just wants to hear what you're gonna say. Right. You know, so I, th- I really feel like that's that's what needs to happen. Like I need black officers to stop posting on social media that they're different and show it. And and again, and here comes that that code of silence that they have. And not 
rat snitch on each other. Um, Chris Dorner, that's he got blackballed from the police department, fired, let go for. I mean the the word was he spoke up against other officers, and the LAPD got him out of there. Not not happening. Which, right. That's not flying. Which right. Right. So so it sounds good in theory again, but. We're that's, still losing our livelihoods yes. for speaking up. And that's what happened. Obviously, his case was extreme to the extent he went to. But you got you to gotta ask what led to that. You got to ask. And it's the but same thing that's like kind of going on now. Everyone is fed the fuck up. But yeah. I also feel like you got to know the institution of which you join. Absolutely. If you look at the history, like when we were talking about, you know, trying to go, you know, full circle, we're talking about the black squares. Having at least a little bit of a skepticism when it came to that would have answered so many questions and it would have had so many people be like, Hey man, you know what? I don't think we should be doing this. I think when it comes down to, uh, you know, black people being police officers, you got to know the history of it. it. It wasn't meant to protect us. The black Panthers were, if you want to be honest, the bloods and the Crips, that was, that was their purpose to Originally, police their neighborhoods and, yeah. and, and, and yeah. to keep the people yeah. in their neighborhoods yeah. safe. And so now with, and so now their uh, their purpose has been perverted. Meanwhile, you get you know people, black people who need a job, and hey, becoming a police officer. I, I got a a family member right now, dreadhead. Oh, I want to become a cop because they pay real good and retirement's good. Yeah, but you already know They're how to strip you yeah, of everything. Yeah, you already know that. So my man, like, what's up? But 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 the retirement. Again, I have to ask you, like, what's up? Because you might be witness to something, and you know, you'll be powerless to stop it. So are you, are you willing for that? I mean, j just for your retirement, you willing to, you know, take out your own, you know, your own people yeah. just for you to pay your bills? Is it really that important to you? But this tough. is why, this uh, is why when uh, Des Bryant decided, was it Des? Who the fuck? Who donated a million dollars? Was it Dak, Des? Dak. 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 Yeah, Dak. I don't think Lord, Des got a million dollars, so I'm going to keep it a bean with you. Yeah, he, he, might, he might be on the... So, <laughs> Dak... <laughs> stupid. Uh, when Dak decided to donate a million dollars to race training for police officers, I was pissed because I'm like, yo, that's... I don't. I may not know what the exact answer is, but I damn sure know giving these motherfuckers more money is not the answer. Right. And more times than not, they don't need it. I'm right. sure Dallas PD don't need a million dollars. I'm sure no. they're fine. I'm sure the yeah. budget's healthy over there. You know, they are. They, they, they don't need a tank. It, it's yeah. Texas. Well, we have watched Texas do all manner of crazy shit in the last four years. They don't need more money. Yeah, like I mean, insane. Um, the, I think I think a lot of a lot of people are caught up thinking that the money could silence. And I know just me being a young organizer and working with different organizers, we're not falling for that shit. We're not right. falling for that shit. Like we're laying out right. demands that the lawyers are reviewing, and that's the only way we're gonna be able to come to some type of agreement. Um, and to go back what uh, Vernal was saying as regards to like the policing in the communities, Waterbury used to have that. So, mm -hmm. and my uncle is a yep. police officer, and he told me that. So he was assigned to the area he lived in, and if he had a problem, if there was a, a call in that area, him or a few other people would do that. That came a change. It started to wear out, I want to say, around, what did he say, around 94, 95, it started to wear down a little bit. Then as Neil kind of got up in the ranks of police chief, it just completely went away. Oh, wait, That's totally. partly when the precincts went away. You know how they had the precincts for a little bit around Waterbury? Yep, yep, yep. Right? Yeah, you used to have a precinct right in Brooklyn. You know, they had one on Willow it, Street, too. I remember that. 
It, unfortunately, I think we just have a system that just wants power and is going to do everything not to lose it. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. including different things like that, where it's like, hey, at this protest, um, just to give you guys some context, at this protest that was last week in Waterbury, if you look at all the videos, just go look at the videos, you'll only see black cops talking to people. You'll see all the white cops standing there like this, and you'll only see the black cops from the community talking to people. Because they're scared. Mm-hmm. They're scared. They don't know how to communicate with black people if it ain't they, whipping their ass. That's why. They were scared. They were scared because we even have, you know, uh, testimonies, testimonials from different people that were arrested, and they were telling us how the police were scared. Some officers were scared, like literally shaken as they're arresting them. And, you know, it, it, it's it's a tough situation, but our community officers, our officers that, that, are, that know us in the community, they have to find a way to stand up. Because if they're not standing up, they're just standing with them. And honestly, we can't... can't me, personally, I can't feel for them. I can't feel no. for them if they're not no, no, standing no, no. up with us. And, I can't. And that's why that... I can't tell who's who in a situation like that. I can't tell if you're with me or against me if you're not going to say nothing. And that's why that right. whole bad apple theory is out the window. Because one bad apple spoils a bunch if they ain't speaking up about it. If they're letting the shit happen, then they're all fucking bad apples. But right. you want to know what, though? I think that um, having the police in, in the schools, right, I kind of feel like that gave them an opportunity to, de to develop a rapport with the students to, to the extent of, like, I'm just going to use Officer Steve, for example. If I went to, if I went to, we're talking about Waterbury, if I went to Kennedy and Officer Steve was there from my freshman year to my senior year, he's seen a good majority of my classmates, of my peers, some right. that live in really bad areas and some that live in good areas, right? So if he gets a call and it's in one of those areas, hey, hey, I know this kid, I feel less afraid because I'm familiar That's with cool. this officer, because he wasn't just standing there watching me, make sure you get to class. He actually engaged with me, whether he is white or black. He mm -hmm. showed an interest in his community outside of trying to meet a, a quota of arrests or something along those lines. See, see, that would have been positive. You know what the police in my high school did? We had a gang member awareness rally where a police officer came and spoke to us. And I was sitting in the back, minding my business, reading a book. Cause I didn't want to listen to the shit <laughs> and I was reading my book and I wasn't talking. I wasn't disrupting nothing. I just didn't care. He called me out, pointed at me and said, you look like somebody who would know people in a gang. And right. now mind you, y'all know I was a big ass fucking nerd in high school and I was in ACE and Crosby. So the majority of my classmates were white and that's who I was at this rally with. So I'm looking around the room and I'm like, interesting that you would think that I know people in a gang and I'm like mm -hmm. 16 years old. That's right. You affiliated. So <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Like absolutely gang affiliated. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I guess my, Eric is crazy. I do have a question about, I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, a question about police officers in schools. Are they only in the high schools? No, they're in every yeah, they're single school. school. So they're in the elementary I'm, schools as well. Yeah. Uh, so they are. I believe you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah so <laughs> Waterbury, and I give you, I give you some perspective. Waterbury arrests the most students out of schools than any other district in the state of Connecticut, like three times more than anybody else. 
Um, it's a fact. Crazy. So, so like, for example, I'm looking at some stuff right now, and I can send it to you, and you can share it with your people. If you want, sorry, B, <laughs> and I can share. You can share it with your people if you want. But to, uh, year 2018 and 2019, 259 students were arrested. Um, a lot of which always fall in the lower A groups. High school kids get arrested, but you know we arrest kindergarten kids. First grade, second grade, third grade at rates that are way babies out in cusper for being disrupted. That's crazy. I want to know of these children who have been arrested, how many were deferred to a therapist? How many were put on paperwork and, and demanded to go and see a counselor? I want to know. That's I'm gonna write that down. That's a good question. Be- and, and, because the, the problem that I see in 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 the world, let alone just in Waterbury or just in our country specifically, is that we criminalize behavior that is not necessarily criminal, but um, it, indicative of of there being some kind of a problem that preceded it, either a health problem, a mental health problem, um, a poverty-related issue, um, yep. a, 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 an issue that is occurring in the home where there's not access or there's not attention being given or there's not enough parental access, things that could be first remedied or transitioned into programs that could save these children. And, and I'll, I want to follow up. I want to follow up with that. Um, on that, we talked about this before. Like me trying to get my son into therapy in Waterbury, and nothing. I mean, even so, even if the answer is they referred all of those kids to therapists, and the kid and therapists <sighs> followed up and did whatever job they're supposed to do. What about? I tried to get my son into therapy. We went, had a meeting, and. We never got a call back. It's been, that was, I mean, I, I know we're in a pandemic for three months now, but that was October, November. So it's almost like, do wow. we, does he have to act out on any behavior before you start taking it serious? Which again, yeah, but you know what happened, I'm not as worried about my son. It's just, it's, he's a teenager. He's going through changes. I, I, I'm not, but I'm thinking other kids. But right, because if you what if you were that concerned about your son? Right. And what if he was the kid who was going to be the school shooter or anything like that? That would happen and they would immediately turn to you and go, "How did you miss this with your kid?" Absolutely. And you would say, "But I tried. Y'all failed me." Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. The world the world really is I mean, if I can't speak for the world, America is just it's broken. It's broken and it's been broke. And the people that broke it, they keep putting those same individuals in position of power, which doesn't make any sense to me. That's like, yo, my house is falling apart. Well, Ev knows how to fix it. That's cool. But that guy, Thomas, down the street, I heard he's pretty bad at it. I want to pay him. <laughs> I'll save Ev for a later time. Like, no, man, like, we need this problem fixed. We need it resolved. And I think that. And I think that with us, man, that happened with Obama and it made white people feel so uneasy because it was like, you mean to tell me we've kept the White House white all this time? And the one time we put a black guy in here, he just alters everything for the good? Or I, I, We can't have that. And, and what a lot of people don't want to admit, whether they love Obama, hate Obama, are in the middle and can admit that he did things great and that he did things wrong because that's what yeah. presidency is, yeah, yeah, being yeah. a human. I'm in the middle there, but yeah. Right. I think that people 
are are unwilling to admit that his presence in that office alone has stirred a lot of this. Oh, absolutely. even while he was in office, all of the 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 cops murdering black people, he pissed white people off. Would would Trump he pissed them off in a way that has continued and Trump has now encouraged and, and continues to encourage. Would Trump have even ran if Obama wasn't in office? No. He no. wouldn't even have ran because he Obama made fun of him. He hurt his feelings. The Buffalo Bill let him buy the team. He smoked they hurt, his, they hurt his feelings too. And he's been on a rampage ever since. But so, so what you're saying is Obama is the worst thing that's ever happened to this country. Uh, and the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> all of them all together. To me, all they thought, Obama, I think Obama gave us hope. But he did not give us a blueprint. And I say that all the time. He did not. He didn't lay down some foundational things for us to even move forward. Even like if you want to talk about reparations, he didn't even start that process. Forget just ask for him. He didn't even start the process and try and make sure we are labeled as a nation and we have our own flag and we could prepare for this talk later. He didn't do anything for that. But he gave us hope. He gave us hope. As a politician, as a politician, Barack Obama is a classic left of center Democrat. Right. He's not going to give you too much. He's going to stay right down the middle. He, his big thing when he got in office was ACA. And yep. that got through because he had both sides of the, both sides of the house, both sides of the uh, legislative branch. But as soon as he lost it, the plan kind of went to shit. Oh, hell and they've been trying to pick at it. <laughs> they've been picking at it ever fucking since, ever yeah. since. And I think that's part of it. And then, you know, with America being broken, I have never seen America as broken. This is what they wanted it to be. Right. They ratified the Constitution yeah. in 1776. Black people were seen as property. They weren't seen as people. That didn't come until almost 90 years after they yeah. ratified the Constitution to have this country put together. So is this really how they wanted America's it? America's never not been broken. You know what I mean? This is what it is. Yeah, it, it's just, this is the history of it. Um, I think that, one, I think there's a possibility that sometimes when I listen to Obama talk, he wishes he could have been more left but being a black man and running for president, he would have never made it. If he had been any more left than he was, he would have never made it. Which you could argue after, once he got elected to the second term, he probably could have, should have done more even then. Um, Absolutely. With, and with, Do you think he was scared the, of dying? Not to cut you off. Do you think he was scared of dying? Like, okay, if I stand this way, I might get killed. I don't know. Do you think he in, in Michelle right. talks about that and becoming. So we just watched that documentary recently. Yeah, and good. Michelle Obama is a force. I mean, yeah. whether you agree with their politics or not, she is incredible. And she talks about her and the kids' lives being threatened. At one point, they're yeah. like moved. She talks about how she always asked when she got in the car where the Secret Service were hiding the guns in case somebody shot them first so she would know where to go to get the gun out of the car to protect herself. Um, that's how they lived. For well, they still don't live like years. that. They still live like that because they still have right. secret service. People still don't like them. Right. And you talk about when you when you talk about a blueprint. There are so many. To be honest with you, politics is a new arena for Black folks to really be trying to implement their needs. It really started in um, uh, in in novels. James Baldwin, W.E.B. Um, yep. Ralph Waldo Emerson, Ellison, I'm sorry. Um, and, you know, W.E.B., he talked about the talented 10th. Talented 10th. I got a lot of good old Hampton you. Yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 
and how he felt like <laughs> <laughs> how he felt like you know just just ten percent of the black community. I mean, we're talking leaders, business owners, mm-hmm. could create businesses to bring in more black people, and that that would be the start. It, it was just to give us something of our own. And somewhere along the lines, it's like yes, we have black business owners. We do, um, but it's like. It's like the community lost sight of helping from within. Yeah. And so, you know, from there, you know, it kind of seems like everybody, it was just kind of like a free for all. Like we want justice. And it's like, okay, but we we have this blueprint and okay, 10% is, you know, this is back in the day when education wasn't offered to everybody and it wasn't, you know, the circumstances were different. But I I I still believe to this day that if we were to implement that, of course, at a at a higher on a higher scale that that could be a blueprint, at least a part of the change. Um, you know, that way we're not getting things like, are you okay? And you're only being asked because we need to know if you're going to freak out and kill everybody or if we need to, you know, like when we ask you if you're okay, we care. You're one of us. We want to make sure you can function. We want to make sure you have what it is that you need. And America is, they, they don't believe in that unless you look like, you know, <laughs> oh, but think about it too. We had an example, something put in motion in the town of the tenth back at the t- beginning of the twentieth century. Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes, sir. They burned that bitch that to the ground. LeBron burned is it to the ground. Right. I'm super excited. I think that's going to be so great. Yeah. But you know what? I... What was that? B. What did you uh, say? LeBron is doing a documentary on that. He's going to oh, do a documentary okay. um, on Tulsa, just on oh. on uh, Black Wall Street and what happened. Oh. And um, I think it's it's important because so many people in this country, one, don't know American history, which we've talked about. They don't know how their government works. They don't know what their politicians can and can't do. We've we've talked that in and out. They just don't know. But two, there are so many people who believe that black history, one, started with slavery and two, that that's all it's ever been, that that black people have never tried or ha- had things of their own. Yep. yep. No. Yeah, since, since we've been here. But there was a time, like, e- even here in England, when they were talking about just washing, like, washing their asses, Africans taught individuals that. When it came yep. down to architecture, when it came down to surgery techniques, even when it came to... Even when it came down to like warfare, how the Egyptians would send emissaries to, you know, to find African warriors to come through because of our athleticism, because of our strength, because it's always been something about us that's that's differed us from everyone else. Um, even when they talk about the um, the heart shaped herb in Black Panther, there was actually uh, an herb that served as a sort of steroid in Africa. That some of their warriors would take before going into battle. So, so these, so these concepts, right? So there's like these concepts. It's like, yo, don't, don't, don't let it, don't let this whole slavery is the only history that you guys have be the only history that's taught because because that's a lie. But it's it's not necessarily that it's it's not necessarily the the lie that's the problem is that they don't teach it. Like even for even for black people who go to um, more progressive schools, it's not taught, and it's not taught because the people who are in teaching positions don't know it. It's it's the same four names. It's Martin Luther King Jr., Rosa Parks, Jackie Robinson, and uh, Harriet Tubman. 
I feel like yeah, those nah, are the, the, those are the go to for George Washington Carver. They teach about George Washington well, Carver. Yeah, but peanut, not really. Not really. Where you go? Are you remember? They, they teach you about George Washington. I went to Crosby and Wilby. At Crosby, I got a lot of education. At Wilby, it was out the window. Like it was just. Oh yeah. My mother do. went to Wilby. That's out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was just out the window at Wilby. You know. At Crosby, I, I learned a few things, but at Wilby, no. So it it, it depends on where you go, and you got to think about it. The the curriculum nationwide is just a hundred years old in itself of the education curriculum, you know? So there's just, we have a lot of work, <laughs> like literally. Yeah, literally. yeah. I've, talk, I've talked about this with um, a cousin of mine who's a bit younger than me. He just graduated from UConn as an engineer and he's first gen, I'm first gen. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that we that we talk about is how education is monetized in our country and how it's monetized to keep education out of the hands of people who look like us, right? Cool. And so even me having a master's degree, I just graduated with my master's, 3% of Latina women have master's. 5% of black women have master's degrees. So even just finishing that program for me feels like I'm paving the way for my children to learn that it's even an option for them because it's it's something that's withheld but the things that you learn at that level the things that i have learned in college about race relations multicultural relations how to deal with people especially being a therapist i know the general population is not taught that right. on purpose yeah you know and my cousin says the same thing he's like yo the average population is not being taught this because they don't want people to know these things, which is why they price people out of education, which is why people, Mm -hmm. especially, you know, especially like rich white Republicans don't want schools to be free. They don't want public education for, you know, your first couple years of college, because that means that the, the knowledge that they hold, that they give to their children, that they buy their dumbass children into, because let's, let's be real, rich people buy their kids ways into schools every single day. Those people have access to stuff that we were not given access to willingly. We've had to put ourselves into debt to get. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the price of education just keep going up, especially private. Like I looked at tuition for Hampton not too long ago. I graduated in 08. My tuition, the last year was 25K. They're up to 40 now, 40 a year. Yeah. And going up. My program at Northwestern was 18 months. It was $100,000. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my, yeah, the year I got it. Yeah, for my master's degree, I paid about oh. 30, another 36 Something like that. You're going to make me. I, I, I can't do it. Man, listen, I, I respect you guys so much. I swear I respect you guys so much because I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I really thought about going to school. And then when I seen that, I've been on my own since 16. So it was just not realistic for me. And then, but I went and got a trade. You know, I went and got a trade. Uh, and, and, but I, I salute you guys. Yeah, so yeah. There's no way I could sign up for that. There was the thing, no way. The thing for me and, and Eric and I have discussed this cause you know, he's, he's got two degrees himself. It's, For me, it felt like I didn't have the choice in choosing that school because because I finished my bachelor's at post because I knew I wanted to eventually get a Ph.D. and I wanted to get into a good Ph.D. program. I needed something on my resume that was going to set me apart. I needed something 
I needed to become a part of a community who could recommend me to people who, where they saw this name on my resume, it would put me ahead of people. And in a sense it worked because before I even graduated, I was offered a job making a decent amount of money. And, and so I was like, okay, this is, this is exactly what I set out to do. Now the pandemic and being in a different country kind of set some things (laughs) aside, but I always know that because that school's name is on my resume, it gives me access to a different, a different group of people than I would have ever had coming from Waterbury, Connecticut. That's crazy. Eric, can I ask you a question? Talk to me. But having that with, with HBCUs, where, like what Bianca is saying, where is that, like, uh, I guess a prominent thing where, or industry that people look for on their resume? Is there one where they look like people that went to HBCUs? I believe it's a couple of things. The program you go into and who you're talking to. Like A&T has one of the best engineering programs in the country. So people know if you went to 18 and you're an engineer, it holds some weight. I got a regular ass bachelor's degree from Hampton. It's a poli sci degree. They're not going to care about this. Like, oh, he went to school. He finished. He got a decent GPA. That's all they care about. And for my HR degree that I got from the University of New Haven, I had a, I had a higher GPA. And that hasn't mattered as much. But also going into the job market when I did, the market flopped. Nobody was working anyway. So it was a little bit more of a, uh, having the experience. But I think... It's only really going to matter if you went to the Ivy, Ivies, like the ones people know, especially right. for your, your your upper degrees. That's when it really kicks in. Like, you're not going to be a corporate lawyer more times than not unless you got a JD from Yale, Harvard, Brown, Northwestern, so, somewhere like that. That's where it comes in. Because if you're going to work at a prestigious law firm, they want you to come from prestigious lineage, so to say. And that name means something in some of those places. And... Some places it really doesn't. It's it's all it all depends on what you're trying to do, where you're trying to get your foot in the door at. If you don't have the experience, like you know, being fresh out of school and having that name helps. But once you're in ten years plus and you've shown your work, it's not going to mean the same thing more times than not. Sometimes it will, sometimes it it just really depends. And I think I think HBCUs are gaining more notoriety now that people are really learning what they're about, what their prestige is, and not comparing it so closely to the Ivies, right? Because the Ivies are the Ivies. It is what it is. They're yeah. some of the most ancient institutions in the country. But um, I think they're learning that, you know, they each institution of HBCUs, they have their own place. They each hone in on certain things, just like, just like any other school. You know, schools will specialize and have, you know, yep. programs yep. that they put tons of money into, tons of effort into. I mean, I don't know all of Northwestern standing. I know my program was the number nine counseling program in the country this year. So, like, you know what I mean? It just really depends. Like, so it depends on what you're going for. It depends on what degree you get. And it depends on what you want to do. I've seen, like... Um, on Indeed in New York City, for example, if you want to work on Wall Street doing pretty much anything financial, they're looking mm-hmm. for Ivies. They say it yep. right in the Indeed. Like, mm-hmm. if you don't have a yep. 3.7 yep. from Harvard, don't apply. It's the same thing for programmers. When I worked in the city, I was recruiting for programmers. They wanted them to come from either Ivy or Stanford, Columbia, somewhere like that. They had a top program for math or, enge- or you know, computer engineer or a software de- software engineering. So a lot of those places, they want that name because they yeah. trust the name. Yeah. And, you know, it's a legacy thing. They want to be in there. They want all their alum in there, all in the same same building, so they can talk about who stayed where freshman year. <laughs> uh, is your favorite right. spot off campus still open? 
let's yeah. just reminisce while we're in here making making money hand over fist. Yeah, it's it's just crazy because I see there's a lot of people that necessarily didn't go to those schools that are doing great things. I even Absolutely. look at like um you know, even in the marketing PR world, there's a lot of young women right now mm-hmm. who are really in that space working for major corporations, young black Hispanic women that are working for major corporations that are doing stuff that the Ivy League couldn't even begin to do for anybody because right, they're not as innovative. Corporation right. with culture. And, right. you know, our, 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 we like to call cultural currency is very important. And, you know, these people have no Ivy League and they're doing some crazy things. So it's just, I just wanted to, you know, get you guys. That's the one arena I might say is different when it comes to creatives. Yeah, creative. And marketing yeah, creative, tends yeah. to fall into the creative kind of realm. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to creatives, I would contend that that most often a, gr- a degree isn't even needed. It's no. more about who you know and what kind of creative ideas you can present in, in, in a 15-minute span of meeting somebody mm-hmm. that's going to get you in the door. Um, because I have a lot of friends who are very creative. I have a, a friend who's a designer in L.A. Her husband works and designs for Nike. They They don't care where you went to school. If you go to school... Can you read, write, and produce us money? <laughs> you know oh, yeah. what I mean? Can you create constantly? So, you know, that's what, uh, you know, more on the market side, but think more on your social side. They're more about, can you create compelling content? And do you understand the, the social space for that purpose? Do you understand organic? Do you understand paid campaigning? Do you understand all of that? Do you understand, can you look at the analytics on the, on the back end of those platforms and understand where it's coming from? and use it to really cater your content to the audience we need it to. Like, when I recruited for an entertainment company, on the social side, they didn't care where the the person came from. They were more worried about where they worked in the past and show us the results of your your creative influence on the bottom line. So they didn't care where you you went to school at. You could have went to school in your house and learned how to code the shit yourself, but you created the content. It gave you X results. That's all we care about. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice of you to join us again, Dad. Oh yeah, <laughs> killing this water. Yeah, I had to I had to make a run for it. <laughs> um, he was <laughs> Tyler. I do want to talk about because uh, last time you were on, you were running for mayor <laughs> of Waterbury. Yeah. So I did want to follow up with you and, and ask how that went. And ironic, there's a lot of irony in all these fucking conversations, bro. Um, you ran against former chief of police. Yeah. <laughs> so how was that now, experience? I don't know what the res- uh, we know you lost, but I don't know what the numbers were looking like. What what was that like? Um, it was first off, I got to say thank you, man, for that support. Uh, you guys were great. You guys offered me a platform to put my message out, and it was good. Um, it it was great. I learned a lot. My team learned a lot. Uh, we learned the corruption within the system. We we learned the voter mm-hmm. suppression. You know how you hear mm-hmm. people talk about all these things that happened, but we got to see exactly on a local level exactly so live and in person how they're doing it. You know, so for us, it was more or less a campaign. We did under a thousand votes. I think the total tally for everybody, the total amount of people that voted was only like nine thousand or something like that. If I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Mistaken. We did like 100,000 votes. We did pretty good though. But for a write in campaign, we did very good. You gotta remember, write in's like the hardest way you could even run for office. Yeah. Yeah. Especially you don't got no machine behind you. 
name notoriety. And for us, it was really how could we take that and find a way so that way we could really hold these spaces and these offices. So it was a very, very big learning, um, learning, uh, I guess, process for us. And from there, we were able to build. Like right now, I'm working on uh, a political action committee, a statewide um, okay. minority political action committee with a few other people around the state, which is going to be good because that, that'll give us the infrastructure to support candidates of color. You know, when you try and run for office, it's hard. It's like you get in there, you got to raise money. You got to know how to mail and contact people. You got to know yep. how to put support on the ground and how, how to mobilize people to get behind your votes. Then you have places that I like to call in the way, such as churches and different establishments where you it's hard to go in if they already have a relationship with different entities, you know. So and I think that, you know, we were able to really get good information and as well increase the interest locally for people to get involved in the process. So that to me was like our next step needs to be allowing uh, or building a system that could support these people that want to get involved now. So that's kind of where we're at now with it. Um, but it was great, man. It was I learned. I stood toe to toe with O'Leary. I didn't really go in on him. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't air out personal stuff, you know, because it's not me. I'm yeah, more about yeah. the results, and that's why I'm still able to have a conversation with him now. And you know, with everything going on in the current climate, it's a little weird because we have to put pressure on. And I know a lot of people. I even heard it already. Like, man, he's just trying to get ready to run for mayor again. And I'm like, it's bigger than that. It's bigger right. than that at this point because not for nothing. I didn't announce that I'm going to run for mayor. I will tell you, our team and our collective will be putting support behind uh, people to run for alderman and mayor, not just mayor. You know, so it might not be myself, but we're putting, we're trying to gather resources to really put behind candidates. Yep. So that's where we're at now. Um, we're waiting for alderman, Eric. <laughs> I run up for nothing, bro. They, they start, they start digging in the closet. We all going down, y'all, y'all, y'all accomplices. We all going man. down. No, we're Think not. Of digging the stove, bro. Okay. They tried to listen. They'll try and do whatever. Look who's in the White House. That should not be a deterrent for any of us. And we should be able to get up there and and speak how we feel, especially when we're talking in facts. You know, I'm not the most proper person when it comes to speaking but i'm gonna give you the facts and the numbers the way it is and you're just gonna have to take it like that you know and we just have to understand and walk in our power bro what uh uh, uh, if you care to elaborate i'm much more of a behind the scenes guy somebody somebody want to be in the front yeah, yeah. <laughs> dance like a puppet. I got I can covered, you know. behind the scenes. They haven't said anything to stand with anybody in the community oh, right now. So well, that's because they're bad at it. That's because no. they're bad at it. You want somebody but, good at it. Sure. 9,000 people voting for mayor out of a city that's made up of how many? 110 yeah, plus. Yes, yeah, like 110 plus. Yeah. yeah. That, how many were registered to vote? I don't even have the numbers in front okay. of me, and I don't want to give you guys misquotes. But no, I don't, all good. I, like, Fair enough. <laughs> you remove myself do you, from uh, yeah. do you care? I have one, but I just don't know off top. Yeah. Do you care to elaborate Like, what kind of corruption you've seen? Yeah, we've seen uh, we've seen people on the opposite end, uh, high up officials in the administration walking out of voting booths with ballots. Um, we've seen wow. 
numbers get called in from different polling locations yep. and they're different than the numbers that we sent our checkers to get. Um, we've seen people go to the polls that were registered and voted the year before that went to the polls and miraculously they they weren't there. Um, they did dump before the election. I, I want to, it was a few thousand people. They dumped off our voting rolls that they said they didn't have the correct address for and stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. the it's money was game they a whole run, different boy. thing. And like, you know, yep. it, I was able to see the party system. So like on a local level, right? Democrats, they control it. The, the political scene. Republicans were just more like their special interests and friends. And to me, the independents didn't know what they were doing. So really, it was just like the Democrats were just focused on how could we remain in power? And we're only yep. going to deal with people to remain in power. So, yep. you know, it, it it was corruption on all levels. Yep. It was corruption on all, down to down to parties, type the type of parties that were going on, you know, that don't yeah. fit in campaign finance laws, you know? Mm -hmm. We we just document it. That's all I can say. We just document. Just keep an eye on it. That's yeah. it. Because when it comes to I've been present at parties like that when I was working um, on a campaign. So I know exactly what you mean. That's that's how this is happening all over the country. So none of what you said surprises me. I I, uh, I don't even think I've shared this. I went out and helped out with a. Ty's campaign. I went out and handed flyers outside of school for a few hours. Um, they were, I, I don't want to call them welcoming. They weren't really welcome. They were like, oh, you got to stand over here because there's a whole like distance. You got to be from the polling yeah, that's law, entrance yeah. at all, whatever. So I stood over there and then you're bombarding people, handing out flyers, trying to talk to them, trying not to push too hard either, but you're trying to just like, yo, here you go. Do what you're there for. But the one of the party's people was just like, Oh, you're here with who? Good, good luck. You're gonna need a lot of luck today. And just like you know, kind of like, I was I wasn't there for an argument, so I just like kind of let it slide. But then I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm observing. I like to you know, even though I have a podcast where I talk a lot, I like to shut up and stay quiet around people I don't know and situations I don't know. And some people would call me a quiet person, but uh, I'm watching. Us, but this old 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 white dude handing out flyers and then just look. To women looking at their ass when they walk by, and I'm just like, every time, and saying mumbling like something under their words, saying something to their friend, and it's just like, yeah, they're there, they're there to just be creeps. They 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 yeah. got the election wrapped up like that that they're not even there. They're there for more of a formality and to check and yes. check out women because yeah. the corruption yeah. has already lent. Yes. What school did you go to? Ed? I was at Tinker. Oh yeah, <laughs> Tom Plot. Oh, Tom Plot. Yeah. Yeah, the Italians. Yeah. Thank you yeah, for that. I appreciate that, though, the man. It was, and, but see, and that's another thing. We were able to learn, okay, when we go back out for election time, how we really mobilize people and how we, like you said, everyone's like attacking each other. So how do we get our message across without attacking people when they get out their car to vote? You know, how could we attack their, not attack, but how could we uh, target their subconscious you know, mm -hmm. on the way to the polls, as they're driving to go to the polls, as opposed to when they get out the car, here, 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 here. And, you know, I think I think we gained enough data for us to really mobilize next time around. Good. And that was very important. Good. You know, very important. Take, 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 the, take the lessons and always apply to the next step and yeah. you know, shout the next time. That's all you could do. 
you got to think about it. Neil started the election with $100,000. He did a dinner for 100 people, $1,000 a plate. So right off the bat, you had to look at it and say, well, we can't even raise nowhere near that. Bruh. Right off right. the bat. Not from one dinner, 100000 So $1,000 a plate? What? what it was. This is the shit that happens yeah. in politics, though. It really is. And it was like from Dressers or something. I think the dinner was at like Dressers or something. So it was like a thousand dollars. Fancy, fancy. Look at the niggas trying to get their money up. I hear that. But this is how when we ask the questions of like, how do these people stay in power? How do they keep each other connected? This is it. Absolutely, absolutely. They price people out. They yep. pay Probably. each other favors. It's <laughs> it's all happening behind closed doors before it ever even hits the streets. Before we ever even see it. Yeah. You don't mind me asking, what was some of the issues, uh, Ty, you had, um, or if you had any issues within the church? Like, I've seen politicians come in there, um, people that, you know, are running for office, and, you know, normally the, the the preacher or the pastor will give them the platform, 15, you know, 10, 15 minutes to say their piece. What kind of issues did you come across with that? So, the major churches, like the Grace Baptist, Zion, um, a few of the other major ones. We didn't really try too many in the Hispanic community, but as far as our black churches, right. we there was one conversation we had at one, which was like a few different candidates that were running for office. But a lot of the times was we weren't able, we reached out and we weren't getting reaches back. And uh, we had multiple people try and reach out and we just weren't able to go in there and talk to the congregation. You know, and then when we did have opportunity in one or two places, um, it was led with whoever's in charge, I'll call it like that, their mm. intentions, because they already have relationships with the current working city government. And right. yep. I don't think that, you know, I guess those places weren't ready for anything new. That's how I could just honestly, like, really just say it. I don't think they were ready for anything new. So the conversation the type of conversations that need to be had, they tried to steer away from it. And they tried to make sure we stayed away from those type of conversations. Um, and, you know, just like now, just with everything that's going on, I reached out to um, a bunch of church leaders and like, hey, you know, we have this group called Waterbury Strong Community Collective. And we're really trying to uh, a group of five or six of us are trying to come into different congregations and just talk to the people about what's going on and how they can mobilize with us. And we haven't been getting no contact back. Yeah, because no I was contact. I was asking because um I remember there was a time, I don't know about now because I haven't been I haven't been church hopping in a minute, but I remember there was a time when uh Zion had like a majority of the city of Waterbury went there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's and my uncle, he's actually like the treasurer at Zion. And uh I'm not gonna lie to you, I think that what it's being younger people, especially the movement we have, mm-hmm. that people are almost scared of what we're going to go in there and say. Yes. Right. Oh, I really you know feel that. like they're like, yo, is he going to you know go that. in here and go straight? Very kind of like, what is he going to do when he right. goes in here? And I think they have to, if they can't trust us enough to come in there in the house of God and talk to people, it's just like, it's just. You know, I, uh, I, I, I grew up in Zion. I we see more. I used to see more national folks coming in there than local, depending on what campaign season it was. Maxine yeah. Waters has been in there. Chris Murphy, especially when it comes to national election time, 
you're going to see some of the big hitters you see on TV parting those doors to make sure that yeah. Connecticut stays blue. So they're going to all the big cities in the area, hitting those big spots, especially for their, you know, their demo. And we, and we found that younger, you know, younger ministers and pastors like Justin Key, some that are like our age group, are yeah, open right. arms like, yo, let's do it. How can we do it? It was the elders that are like, mm-hmm. we don't know what you want to do. So for me, it's just it's very touchy. I think that ageism plays a huge role in this movement and in anything you want to do. Like when you are younger or under the age of, I'll say 40 to be generous, people are more likely to make you earn your space to earn their respect because they don't expect you to have anything prominent to say. Like, or they they expect you to be young and wild and and frivolous or whatever else. And, you know, I'm kind of of the mind of, nigga, I can do both. I like to multitask. But, you know, like, like I think, I think that, you know, we have to stop boxing people in. Young people are brilliant and we're so in touch with the world around us. Absolutely. We're doing crazy things. Go ahead, bro. I feel like with the church, man, it's... It's hard, right? <laughs> Yo, man. <laughs> I'm not, but listen, I'm not going to give up on the church, honestly. I'm, we're still going to continuously try and get those conversations open because they're important. And, you know, one of the things that, uh, and I'll let you go, I'm sorry for cutting you off, but one of the things that we're really trying to focus on right now, and it's a very uh, tough approach, it's a very raw approach, and it's literally like a message to the boomers. Get mm. out of our way. Let us take care of you. Let us bring the, let us, uh, you know, build up the system to make sure our children are correct. And a lot of boomers, you know, they're like, don't talk to us like that. We've been putting in work. I'm like, I understand that. Okay. But just let us support, let us take care of you. Just retire, chill out, do something. Let us lead at the forefront of this fight because we have, I think millennials, we really have, um, we have a chip on our shoulder to the point where it's like we want to kind of end this as much as we can once and for all. It's like we're almost done with the conversation, just back and forth conversations. Okay, we're going to start this committee later. No, no, we're not. This is why most of the protests, and I put up a post the other day, that most of the protests that are going on right now that have demands, that have been getting met, are by young people. Yes. They're not by elders sitting at the table saying, hey, we want to do this and do this. The same stuff they haven't been doing. It's by young people coming saying, this is what we want. We want these four items. And we will be here protesting every single day, every single week until they're met. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's be real. Most boomers think millennials are still 15 years old. Yeah, they do. They They hear millennials. They don't know the difference. They hear yeah. millennial and they think we're still in high school when most of us are in our thirties. You know what yeah, I'm saying? They, they like, think it's like ten year olds and it's not. It's yeah. Not. Yeah. yeah. Other problem pretty- is talking to boomers. They vote more than everybody else. Yeah. It's such a big voting block on a national scale that you can say whatever you want. So you're like, all right, you gonna go to vote? We are. I don't it's know about the rest of you. Reason why it's like that though. You know, it, there's a yeah. reason why. If if you think about it, it's like, why? What do we have to vote for? As younger people, like, when you look at it, it's like, okay, what do we have to vote for? Yeah, they're important, local, presidential, all these are important, but it's never been taught to us for it to be important. It was just right. always something oh, like, it's just there. Right. You know, it's just there, and it, it's it's just it's broken on so many levels, bro. So, so, yeah, it's at the point now where, you know, 
I think of millennials and then the older Gen Zers, they don't see the point of voting because they don't think about the stuff behind the scenes, a lot of them. I don't, most of us do because, you know, we've spoken about it and we know about kind of the, the inner workings. They don't think about when you vote at the national level, the federal judges, that the next president is coming is going to vote for the next maybe two or three Supreme Court justices. That's all lifelong appointments until they either can't do it or they don't want to do it no more. But they think about the, need the person they see on TV. And right. that's and that's the thing. But you need to have an understanding of kind of what's going to happen in the background if you vote for this person. And you have to, you know, you kind of got to be on fire to vote for him more times than not. Because if not, you're not but, getting that turnout that you need. But do you do you know who you're voting for? And I say it like this, like, even with what we what our two candidates we have now, like, do you vote for one person that some may consider racist for another person that some may consider racist? Like, like I get you know, it. It's the decisions we are left with. And it's just like, it's like, come on, man. It's, but that's because we haven't, be, being from Water, with us being from Waterbury, we haven't empowered others to feel yeah. like they can take that platform and can come out on top. And oh, the reason yeah, why I was asking you. Definitely. And the reason why I was asking you about the whole church aspect, because, you know, I grew up in the church and and I just I remember it being a huge uh, fear because, you know, the, the old school saints, they're all about prayer and then they leave it at that. So, yeah, we, we were praying for change. OK, well, here's this young brother here to implement that. And this, well, I didn't expect the prayer to come this soon. You know, it's just like, you know, it's all <laughs> these holdouts for why, for, yeah. for why they don't yeah. want to back it. And it's like, well, yeah. look, like. Like, you know, if, if, I mean, throw scripture out there, you know, if the Bible says faith without works is dead, then okay, y'all been praying, cool. Well, here's this individual. What, like, what are y'all willing to do to back him? Or is it going to continue? You know, you know how it go. Right. It's just, you know, so they're not trying to hear it. Right. Like he, he, he wasn't at Bible study. So I really, but the thing is, is was he not at Bible study because he has no interest or was he out doing something for the community? Right. Like, like, and, and it comes, it comes a point when it's like, you don't have to know everybody's, uh, you know, see everybody's skeletons that they may have in the closet. You just got to hear the message and what it is that they stand for. And the church has been the biggest, um, issue I feel in regards to progress. Um, and that's hard for you to say coming from such a big church family. I know. I do but, know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I do know. <laughs> no, but I, I, I respect that honesty because it really is. And it's funny because even right now with everything going on, and I had a meeting with a team, and we have another one at 5 o'clock, and we're talking about mobilizing and possibly doing something coming up in the next few weeks. And, you know, the team is like, the first place we need to go talk to people at is the church. Yeah. Straight up. They, they, they need to understand why young people feel like this and why we're moving and how we need them to help us and join in, in this movement. So, you know, we definitely understand that that is that is a very important stake in black community where we have to get conversations going. It, it's an important stake in black communities, but it's also been like you said, it's been one of the major hindrances. I mean, I can't even count how many times I still see after the last two weeks people mm -hmm. say, just pray, just pray. And it's like, all right. If you have spent any amount of time in the church, you know that prayer is supposed to come in conjunction with work. You can pray, but you are supposed to do the work. This is the work. Get your ass up. Get your ass out. Do things. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, prayer is not the magic fairy dust you sprinkle among, amongst the world and then just sit and wait for things to happen. That's not how oh, it was designed to be. Oh, we know that. 
<laughs> you know that. You know that. But even because I even see it. I even see it in mental health where I've had patients either not come in or they don't want to bring their children in because, you know, we're, we're very religious and we believe in prayer and things of that nature. And it's like, okay, well, has that worked for you yet? But, but, and, and at the same time too, I see it like this. <laughs> where do you think the ability to be a healer comes from? Like, 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 like what, what would possess a person to want to study and learn about mental health or how to perform certain surgery techniques or anything like that. This is it. Like, you know, oh, well, you know, my hip's been bothering me, but, you know, I just been praying and asking the Lord to come through. Okay, well, here's this, here's this doctor. He's willing to help you. Yeah. This is the Lord answering your prayer. And instead it's just yeah. like, okay, well, I'm still going to just wait on the Lord. All right, well, when he shoots yeah. you a text, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's 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 rough, man. It's rough. I, I just hope that I think a lot of younger as we're uh, as the road is turning, I should say a lot of younger people are starting to speak up even in churches, too. So I think that we'll we'll get to those conversations very soon. You know, they, they've been ducking some strong conversations for a long time. Not all churches. Don't get me wrong. But right. majority ones prominently black they you know it tends like the leadership of the church tends to align where they're gonna align at and you can see that clear as day like especially locally if you just look you can see you can see it clear as day so i think they tend to align where where they want to but younger people are starting to let their voice be heard and that is very important right now it's very important for us to make a way so that our younger kids could could have their voice heard and we could you know push push things forward to to uh, make sure that they're safe and protected on all yeah. of you. So where, where do we go from here for these next few weeks? Are, are people going to keep protesting? Are we going to be so. stuck in the house again because of the coronavirus? What? Hey, hey. what? Good news, bad news, kids. Case is going up. They're going yes. up. Going up. Going back up. They're going up. You niggas ain't want to stay in the house. I mean, Case is going up. I mean, yeah, I mean, my honest opinion. Yeah. My honest opinion is that they could say cases are going up, like Eric is saying. Um, but I just, I feel so, I feel so lied to when it comes to that. Even if it, like, we know coronavirus is real and it's a real thing, but the level and the way they portray the virus and the way that they, uh, I guess you could say, outline the virus to people. I think it was misleading in. in a lot of ways and you know with everyone being outside now protesting where nobody wanted to be around each other now everybody's around each other we're gonna see in the next few weeks we're gonna see how how right. how serious it is and if it wasn't if the numbers don't really jump up mm-hmm. we have a, a some questions <laughs> mm-hmm. because you figure new york just had two days ago new york had their first day with no coronavirus with no, with no cases yeah so you know it, I, don't, it, I looked at yeah. a chart from florida florida went back up Texas went back up, but they've been open for a while. So people that have been right. either feeling sick and they went away or they went to the hospital to feel better, whatever. But, you know, New York's just opening my, back up. They're just opening back up around here. So we'll see. My thing with, with the virus is, and I think this comes with having the responsibility of half the world on your hands, is I think they led with let's overcorrect because we don't know anything. 
And so they use these high numbers. They have these high projections. They're looking at China, but China's not being honest with anybody because let's face it, if you were China, would you be honest with anybody? You don't have to. Half the world's in your debt. You don't got to be honest about shit. Yeah, so sure. I, I think that you're, you're basing your numbers off of numbers that have been given to you and you don't really know if those numbers are right. So it's projecting all of this fear. But then it's like, if we didn't project that fear and you all died, then we get it wrong that way. I don't, I don't know if it was purpose. Like I don't put it past them to purposely mislead us. Let me say that. I don't know if it was meant to be purposely misleading. I'm interested to see definitely after, you know, worldwide protests in 18 countries for two weeks, what the next two weeks numbers will look like. If people will actually go to the doctor and get tested after being around people at protests, I don't really know. I mean, can can Corona survive tear gas? We'll find Herd out. Herd immunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, like or that. we'll or find that. out. Can uh, Corona do they shoot survive the Corona away with, with rubber with rubber bullets? I don't know. Um, you know, there's <laughs> it's one of those and things where we don't know. Can we be honest? It's summertime. I'm looking outside right now. It's not a cloud in the sky. It's about 80 degrees. I don't care if it's still out there or not. It's time to hit the streets, baby. It's over. I'm gonna tell y'all. Yeah. I'm gonna tell y'all what I said. Fuck. I'll tell you the same you shit I said me? two weeks ago. Go hit the beach, baby. I'll tell you the same shit I said two weeks ago. Stay the fuck away from me. That's all. <laughs> Evan's already a hermit. He don't care. He's not tripping. He don't want to go nowhere, no way. What about the rest of us? I want to touch these streets, baby. It's summertime. I mean, it's going to be 85 tomorrow and sunny. Yeah, I, mean, I touch the streets. The the, it's, it's so hard. I think that people, like, you know, if you're if you're older, you have underlying health conditions, or you're pregnant, like B, like you, you know, you you have to be protective and mindful of your current situation. Mm-hmm. But if you're like a healthy young person, I feel like you should be doing what you need to do to secure yourself and take care of things because we don't know what anything is gonna look like come hey, twenty twenty. Check this out. Check this out. I'm thirty four. I lost thirty pounds since the start of the year. Oh, time shit. to touch the street. Time to touch the street. I got a whole I got a whole bunch of money in my pocket from unemployment. I got a bunch of money in my pocket. I want to get drunk and have fun. It's summertime. Fuck it. Let's go. What'd you say, Bianca? I said I said I lost a lot of weight too. Y'all seen it? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (sighs) We seen it. We seen it. Don't even worry, my nigga. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I feel you. Before we wrap a bow on this, y'all got anything else y'all feel we need to it's pressing and we need to discuss before we take off? Nah. Go do something for yourself today. Go listen to some music. Yeah. Get in the car, go somewhere, get have a ride. You know, eat some eat something you like, fuck it. Don't uh, it's just it's Monday. Just do something, enjoy right. yourself. I want people oh. to be well, man. Take a break from, you know, I'm all for Black Lives Matter, Black Power, burn the shit to the ground. Take a break, read a book, take a nap, take a bath, mm-hmm. get some lavender in your life. Mm-hmm. I, I want you to take care of you. We can yeah. we can do good and be well at the same time. Um, yeah, go listen to some games should get aggression out. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's kind of where I'm at too, you know, just stay healthy stay resilient stay strong it's we're in a long fight it's not just gonna uh nothing's gonna be fixed overnight um make sure your mental health is in order meditate pray um eat good but also just don't lose the fight like don't you know don't 
don't think it's just gonna you know it's easy for two months to pass by and people forget about it once the world gets open and just get back in their realm but mm-hmm. right. I, mm-hmm. me, myself i i had i made a duty to myself and to my family and to my people to not let no one forget it so it's just that we got a long fight man so just stay healthy stay strong that's all i can say that's right well put well put well, thank you guys, Tyler, Vernal. Thanks for joining us. Sir, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Whenever, again, whenever y'all got something to say, whenever you want to, Vernal, whenever you want to just hop in and tell Bianca she's saying some stupid shit, you know, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. He's got to buy my boat first. So. <laughs> Evan don't even want you to have peace in your home. Right? Yeah. That's crazy. He don't even want you to be peaceful in your home. It's wild, my nigga. See, y'all too far away. I don't have no support. Like, once she said, I got to go in my corner and cry. I'm like, what's happening now? <laughs> You three thousand miles away, nigga. I can't help you. You know, everyone you know you you, everyone should have chaos on our boat. Who want to cry on a boat? Well, you can't swim, so you're gonna cry regardless. <laughs> Look at it's just gonna overflow and Learn sink like swim. the Titanic. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like then what? Uh, if you're crying underwater, are you really crying? But, but but here's my thing. Like, if she know I can't swim, she like I want a boat. That's a trick. Oh, That's a life. you can't even swim. She That's trying to push you over. I asked him what color floaty he wanted. Floaty. <laughs> he a grown ass man talking about a floaty. I mean, if you get like a pontoon boat, you know what I mean. You might be all right. Those are pretty. And see, I, I I'm a water person, so I'm always push for that. If you can't swim, bro, just wear a life vest and don't go in too much of deep waters. <laughs> Thirty minutes later, the beach to hang out. Don't do that. I, I just, I just want to say, I just got really uncomfortable during this whole. Because <laughs> you can't swim, you feel like you're drowning. I don't know why you had to throw it out there. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Ain't like you know. We're, we're, it's gonna be daddy and me swim classes. It's okay. I'm gonna get y'all matching for you. know that. See, he just found out about that in real time. She just signed him up for shit. Day. He didn't even ask. <laughs> I can't take both of these little nigglets to the beach because if I gotta go pee, he can't watch the baby in the water because he can't swim. Well, well, he can get out of the water until you come back. Because he's gonna go swimming. Kids swim. At infant stage? What you just gonna... What? Babies swim. Listen, that's all I'm gonna say, right? Help. Send mm. help. You're gonna be alright. <laughs> I am. First. I'm my boat with a tan. I just, I just need you to push the baby out and then after that, if you want to get in the water, go ahead. I'm gonna make sure there's shots in there and everything. You'll be, you'll be just fine. Y'all, y'all got this on video. So when he doesn't turn up. I ain't no rap. I ain't no rap. You know what I'm saying? I ain't no rap. I want a belt. That's cute. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what that means. Like, Is that like an instant purchase? Like, <laughs> that's, that's a serious purchase. That's something Yo. you really gotta consider. Bro. I don't know. She keeps really saying, like, you, 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 really you know what's a serious purchase? Pushing out a human being. Why are you looking at me like that wasn't agreed upon? Like you just woke up, like I got something to tell you. It's not that went. Like you just. Oh, the truth comes out. <laughs> the truth comes out. Look, look at Evan trying to insert himself into this. He's wild. <laughs> I don't even know what conversation we're talking about. He just inserted himself in the conversation. He's wild. He just, That's why I'm out of my business. Pipe. I'm checking my email. Oh, okay. you guys are crazy. <laughs> Goddamn fools. <laughs> All right, y'all. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Uh, GDFools at gmail.com. Send so asking for questions. Uh, I'm going to put this shit out within the next 30 minutes. Um, and then I'll try to figure out what I can salvage for vi- video-wise. But, yeah. Uh, Forever. Anything y'all want to plug? 
Verno, I don't know. Am I even putting your name in the fucking description? Probably not, maybe. I don't know. Nah, I mean, unless you can come up with a nice, healthy alias. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't ask Bianca. She'll say some fucked up shit like floaty. (laughs) I call you guppy. Anyway, Eric, make sure you get back to me. Ty, do do message me, man. I may may be able to help you out moving forward. Um, The the individuals that I know, they may be out of out of town, but mm-hmm. you you know how connections go in Connecticut, man. You know, absolutely, and that you know that's one of my most important things, especially now, is just trying to mobilize outside of town. Um, you know, we're 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 trying to put something together for June nineteenth, seventeenth. So I will definitely be sharing that information with you guys very soon. Uh, it's it's going to be a very important day, especially on the local level. We need to get some action and symbolism going. So Juneteenth. You know what I mean? That's yeah, right around the corner. Fuck. Yeah. No problem. My graduation day, so that's the only reason why it's... I know it's literally. Yeah, I graduate <laughs> next Friday. How's that graduation going? What are they doing? <laughs> we could be just like this, nigga. Oh. Uh. In my cap and gown. Okay. Big yeah, FaceTime. Big FaceTime graduation. Uh-huh. Yep. All right, Just well, here. Congrats. Congrats. Sure. Congrats. I'm, I'm going to be at work. <laughs> Damn. You see this shit I have to deal with? Oh, look, I, 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 I was work. You got to work. Game. I mean, what you want him to do? You know what I'm saying? Right. You want that boat. It's at 5 p.m. our time. How do you if that nigga's still at work, I'm calling the cops. Maybe he had they to stop somewhere on the way home. Yeah. Huh? Maybe he had to stop somewhere on the way home. What you mean? Yo, just hide the forks, yo. Just hide the forks. That's my advice to you. I <laughs> <laughs> spoons too. She creative. <laughs> She's sharpening yeah. the spoons with the knife sharpener. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> you ever had a woman scoop you? <laughs> I hate y'all. I'm done. All right. I hate black men, B. Please. Don't be out here trying to hurt my mans. Please. Hip I I'm trying to make a difference, you know? Me That's too. Right. Huh? Anyway. All right. I'm at F. Swain. Black of Wall Street. Hi, Bianca. Ty, what? what you what? I'm Tyler. All right, he's Tyler. I'll, 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 I'll add him in our description on social media. Yo. Thanks for listening, Damn, y'all. This was great. Peace. This was great. Thank you.